Hi, I'm Diane Worthington with Women Beyond a Certain Age. And my partner in crime, Denise Vivaldo, is off in Greece at a food expo speaking. So it's just me today. And I am so excited to share who we're going to be talking to today. So Lori Burroughs grad is many things to many people. She is one of my very best friends. And I don't even know where to start because there's so much to tell you about her. I met Lori when we were both in the food world and she was the uh, food editor of LA Magazine. And then she went on to write a number of cookbooks. She had a cooking show on the Learning Channel. And she also is very big in philanthropic issues. She raised almost $30 million with her husband, Peter Grad, for the Alzheimer's Association. But about four years ago, Lori lost her husband. And we are going to talk about grief today. Lori decided that she was going to start blogging. And out of that came this extraordinary book called The Joke's Over. You can come back now. How This Widow Plowed Through Grief and Survived. We're going to learn a lot today from my dear Lori. So, hey, Lors, hi. 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 Grief is not a four-letter word, Diane. Yeah, no, I know. The C word, which was always, you know, cancer, now has been supplanted by grief not being a four-letter word. Right. And Nobody openly talks about death, even the D word. Uh, people are so gun shy, sorry, bad pun, <laughs> to talk about it. But um, when Peter died suddenly, uh, which was gut wrenching and horrible, nobody really talked about the pain of grief. And Sheryl Sandberg had just recently, her husband had died, and she wrote this thing 30 days after which gave me the inspiration to be able to write openly about the pain of grief. And what I've found is that widows from all over the world say thank you for being honest about it because it sucks. It does suck beyond beyond sucking. I mean, it's one of the roughest things a human being can go through in their life, losing a loved one. And um, your relationship with Peter was quite extraordinary. I mean, you really were attached at the hip in the best possible way. Yeah. And, and what I've done is brought humor into it. I know that sounds odd, but I come from a show business family of comics and we always go for the jokes. Well, so that's important. For me, I think, yeah. that, that helped me get through it. You have to laugh. You do have to laugh. I mean, come on. When you're ha- going through the toughest things, we, I mean, I can't remember some of the things we said. Oh, I can remember. This was a classic, Lori. It was a, it was a few days after Peter had died, <laughs> and there was many people at your house, and the doorbell rang. I, I can't even believe I'm about to share this with everybody, but it's pretty funny. Pretty Lori. It's this, this just tells the whole story. And Lori walks in, and I'm talking to her son, Nick. And she said, oh, Peter's here. I put him in the gym because he had been cremated immediately. And they had sent the ashes to her house. And without a beat, skipping a beat, Nick said, you put him in the gym. 
he would never want to be in the gym. I mean, this is how they're talking to each other. And that's how I think one big piece of how you have gone through this horrendous experience through your humor. Well, I, I did take humor. And Diane, you were the one who helped me to call the Neptune Society, interestingly enough. Because they were the ones who said he cannot be FedEx, he cannot be UPS. He has to go priority mail. Who knew? And he arrived priority mail, but I didn't put him on the treadmill. I put him underneath the television and he would have been much happier there. He would have been, but you where you know where he should have been. And I know where he should have been. That yeah. Could we talk about the things people say to you after your husband dies suddenly that are so disgusting? <laughs> yes. Well, I know you have. I mean, we've got so much to, to cover, but talking to the bereaved 101, you call it. Let's mm-hmm. hear the top 10. Uh, he's in a better what place. This is what yeah. not to say. A better place would be right next to me. Everything happens for a reason. That's a that's a really cool one. Time heals all wounds. Well, time doesn't heal all wounds, although healing does take time. Try yeah. not to cry. Now, oh I mean, God. come on. Say you that. You can cry. Uh, crying, actually, what I discovered is that there are emotional tears that are actually calming for you. So crying is a good thing. I have to add that you have done so much scientific research on grief and the physiological yeah. things that occur that I think that's, you have lots of that in the book and when we talk about it. So totally bring it up as we're chatting about it. Continue with what not to say, Lori. Well, I, I do remember somebody came up to me and said, I know just how you feel. My mother died last week. And I said, no, you don't. And you kind of lose your, your cool. Yeah. And, and but what I learned was to be more compassionate with other people and to try and teach them what to say. I know how you feel was dreadful. I know. Let me tell you about my own loss. Like I want to hear their problems. <laughs> yes, you're waiting for that. And how about this one? Surely you'll find someone. I mean, really? My husband's just dropped dead and they're having me on a date. And then you'll get through it. Be strong. Well, I ain't Jackie Kennedy. There is no way I'm Jackie Kennedy. And I don't have to be strong. That's right. And nobody has to be strong when they're going through this. And that's really an important thing to stress. Yep. You don't have to, you don't have to have this facade that you're so strong. You get to be who you are and you get to, you get to do anything you want when you go through something like this. Tell us what the top 10 good things are to say. Well, I'm sorry for your loss is the tried and true thing, although it gets a little... Yeah, but at least it's it's not, you'll find somebody else. Yeah. The best thing you can say is, I love you, I'm here. Uh, Another thing to do, physically to do, is to just bring food. Don't ask someone what they want, because they don't know how to function, let alone to decide if... You want chicken or or fish. Right. Just bring them food and just touch someone because when someone you love dies, it it it's really your 
tactily impaired, but you have, yeah, that's a new term. I just, and you just need that kind of arm around you for someone to say, I'm available for you. I'm a phone call away and it's okay to cry and maybe cry with you. And then to start talking about your loved one. I remember when he, whatever, and that brings up the good memories And how are you doing this minute? Because you don't, you can't function more than a minute away. And that's a better thing. Like, how are you doing? Well, of course you're doing terribly. Or just say nothing and just be with someone. Just sit there and relax and be with someone. And and you did that for me. I have to tell you, you were a sister to me after Peter died. And I thank you for that. It came naturally to want to be there. You and organized all the food. That oh was my god! Best. That was of course I organized all the food. Oh my god! <laughs> You'd be laughing at me because I was like in charge of the kitchen, and I'd be pointing. No, over there, over there. I was like the general in the kitchen. I know. Oh. And then we had the fish platters that started to smell. Oh god! <laughs> them immediately. Oh my god! We see. We always were laughing, even though uh, there were tears with the laughter. Let's mm-hmm. let's talk about when I got one of the first calls from you. Mm-hmm. Lori, you call me up and you go, I cannot believe this. This couple who, you know, Peter and I used to go out to dinner with all the time, called me and said, Lori, let's have lunch. At which point, Lori picks up the phone and calls me and goes, I've been demoted to lunch. Yep. And I, I was- said, that's the title of the book, if you ask me. Well, that was the title of my first blog, Demoted to Lunch, The Underbelly of Grief, because everybody said, come on, let's have lunch. And I'd say, no, I want to have dinner. I want to talk politics. All of a sudden, not only was I a widow, but I had lost my social status, completely lost it. And, And I began to understand that women get jealous because I'm single. I mean, who knew? Oh, my God. You never told me that. Whoa. Yeah. 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 Oh, my. Yeah. So that's a whole piece into unto itself, the whole social aspect of being a widow. But, you know, you fight through it. That's that's what I have seen. I have written over 130 blogs. I, I didn't think there were this many topics about grief on either Huffington Post or Thrive Global. And and I touch on things like the word lost. Uh, I recently did a blog about that because you lose your keys, but you expect that you will find your keys again. You don't lose your husband. He's you don't gone. lose your husband because there is no Find Peter app on my phone to find him. Oh, God. You just. Well, if only. There's an expectation. And on top of that. It makes you feel bad for having lost him. It was your fault. So using the word, you experience a loss, an an egregious loss, but you didn't lose someone. The other thing was passing. Passed the gravy. He passed a football. As you well know, he certainly passed gas, but he did not (laughs) pass away. So, yeah, you got to be real. Be real. Don't be real. These you know, you know, I even got a tattoo. Yes, I do. know you got a tattoo. And I was I will never forget when you called me and told me you were doing it. I was 
I would have to say that I would have lost a lot of money if I had bet on whether or not you would have ever gotten a tattoo, ever. And when you said you did it, it's just, you know, that was that was how you were experiencing your grief and how important it's been for you. Talk about it. Well, a- first of all, I went to this tattoo parlor in, in Hollywood <laughs> and there were the dregs of the earth were there. Although <laughs> this is the one that Johnny Depp goes to and all these hot people in Hollywood go to. But there were meth heads. There were, it was crazy. And who knew you had to tip? after tattooing. I mean, like there's an etiquette, a tattoo etiquette. That is so, hilarious. Is that what they're called? I love my tattoo. And when I feel stressed and I miss Peter, I touch it. And it's uh, it's lovely. It's on my wrist, on the inside of my wrist, so I can see it. Yeah. And it, I'm so glad I did it. It's a heart and it, it has LBG, loves PG. It's, it's really... It's been a helpful comfort for you. Let me talk to you about something that is an annoying thing to say to anybody, which is, have you found closure yet? Yeah, there is no closure. There is no getting better from this. You don't get better. You get different. That's Uh, very interesting. Describe that. Well, there is no new normal. They say, oh, you're finding your new normal. Well, there is no normal. Normal died with Peter. So there is an acceptably different life where you find joy in other things. And you have to learn self-compassion and to love yourself again because you've lost the mirror. Uh, When you have an epic love, you see each other through each other's eyes. Mm -hmm. And when you lose that love, you no longer have that mirror to reflect your love. And so you have to love yourself. Does that make sense? Totally. You have to be the one to say, you look good today. That's a giant piece that you wouldn't even think about until right. you, you are in it experiencing it. I remember when we went through the firsts with you. First birthday, the first anniversary. Oh. It was not a fun time. Would you say that when you look at the first, it's not as horrible, the seconds and the thirds, is it? No, this yeah. second year was pretty ugly, but but it's not the same. And, you know, people say it's an anniversary day. I don't call it an anniversary because an anniversary is a happy occurrence. So I call it a marker date. It marks oh. the date, check it off, and you've gone through it. Yeah. So I have yeah. learned to do that. You know, somebody asked me after Peter died if I would see a medium. And uh, and instead I said I would see an extra small. <laughs> I'm not into mediums, but there are a lot of people who prey on widows who yeah. say they talk. And I, I, that's a whole other ball of wax. So Yeah, you don't want to go there. But, but speaking of which, I think it's important to talk about you're going through this. How do you begin to get help? Because you need help. I don't care who you are. I was fortunate enough to have somebody come over with the name of two therapists. And I was fortunate enough to be able to pay for that. And one of the therapists who I went to lived in a house with a flight pattern over. And <laughs> I, I went to see her and she whispered like this. And I what said, excuse me, I can't hear you. And she kept whispering, 
And I called her the grief whisperer because I couldn't hear a damn thing <laughs> that she was saying. And she said, would you like to come back? I said, no, I can't hear you. <laughs> and I left her. And then I found a wonderful grief therapist. And then I joined this amazing organization, which is in Los Angeles. I was lucky enough to be put in a group for Our House Grief Support Center, which offers free grief services for those in need. And I've just joined their board because I think it is such an important organization. You cannot do this alone. And being in a group, it brings it all together because you say, when you walk into that group, you say, why me? And by the time you finish with the group, you say, why not me? Because it happens to everybody. Right. But you found somebody that you have worked with and she has been quite extraordinary in your development and who you are today. I would mm -hmm. say she's been extraordinarily helpful with you. When I think about you and who you were and who you are, it's very interesting to me because you're different, but you're not different. Does that make sense to you when yeah, I say that? I am different. I am totally different. I am a yeah. different person. I'm stronger in many ways than I thought I was. Yes, but that is true. I am stronger and I've discovered strength, which is really helpful. And writing has given me the tools to really go forward. I am able to express myself in writing and help others. And by helping others, I feel better about myself. It's this cycle. So the more you write and the more feedback I get from other widows or widowers yeah. or people who just say, you know what, I'm going to go home and appreciate my husband. Because yeah. the book, The Joke's Over, You Can Come Back Now, is about all those things. And it helps other people. I just heard from somebody who said, I really am going to appreciate my husband because I didn't until I read your book. Isn't that great? I mean, that's that's pretty nice to hear something like that. The book, I think, is a compilation of your writings, but of course it's different. It's not just blog, blog, blog. It, it is all the things that you put into it. And I think one thing I know is that you bought many, many grief books and which helped you to understand <laughs> because you were trying to, you know, go through your grief and hope that you would get a pearl of wisdom now and then. And I think what's interesting is that out of that came this uh, guidebook almost to how to get through this nightmare. It is just, it's chock full of concrete stuff that can yes, be- including finances. Uh, I mean, what to do and what not to do. And because finances are very important, it, it's right. really important Especially to- Especially if you didn't know anything and you had your husband doing it all for you. Right. I was smart enough to kind of take a back seat and watch him do that. And I recommend that to anyone who's who's listening to this podcast to really be part of your financial decisions. Get more interested in it, even though it tends to be boring, but it's not. It's really important. And then there's dating, Diane. Oh, yeah. Well, I, 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 <laughs> I, I can't even get a sentence out about dating. How do you want to how do you want to talk about this, Lori? Uh, <laughs> Wait, you well, want about the guy in the Barco lounger? Yeah. No. <laughs> here's here's the thing. A friend of mine, this was about 
nine months to a year after Peter died, she said, I have this great guy. And on paper, he was fine. He was a law professor. But when he came to my house, let's just put it this way. He was so short that he made Danny DeVito look like Shaq. <laughs> I mean, it was insane. And I they should know that you're like 5'10", right. Old spot all night long because I am <laughs> tall. But this guy was below my waist. I mean, this was insane. And so, uh, you know, I decided not to do the Internet, but I decided to well, do something. You started with the Internet. We have to just be humorous about. Oh, oh, it was just horrendous. It was horrendous. So I decided to spend the money and do this thing called It's Just Lunch. Oh, God. Which I will now say is out to lunch because... <laughs> The first guy, I went to lunch with him, and he, I said, oh, I hear you're 70 years old. He said, no, 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 I'm much older. I said, oh, I hear you're liberal politically. Oh, no, I'm a Republican staunch. I said, oh, I hear you like cooking. He said, no, I hate it. And so he had totally lied about everything. The check comes. And it's separate checks because it's it's just lunch. He said, separate checks. What a great idea. And I looked at him like he was from another planet. And I said, are you crazy? And he said, tell them that you like me so I can see you again. I said, not a <clears throat> chance and walked out of the restaurant. God. And that was, that was dressed good. in members only jacket from a thrift shop and kind of smelled like a thrift shop. The third guy bragged how wonderful, wonderfully rich he was, and oh, he ordered two drinks, and he ordered two desserts, none of which I partook in, and then the check came, and I was supposed to split it. Uh, uh, but the yeah. fourth guy, I gotta say, lived out of his car. I swear he lived out of his car, and his favorite thing to do was to bet on horses on an app on his phone and chew Nicorette gum. <laughs> okay, that sums up the dating scene. That you oh, and how about the guy? How about the guy? <laughs> now, we're getting, now we're going, yeah. I was fixed up with a guy. He picked me up in his car, and it was the summer. And I said, oh, it's kind of warm in here. I said, where's the air conditioning? He said, roll down the window. <laughs> <laughs> and then he took me to a museum. We walked around. We had this pleasant conversation. He put me back in his car and he threw me back in my house. There was no beverage. There was no water. There was no coffee. It was as if Larry David was in my head saying, you got to have a beverage on a date. It was crazy. <laughs> you got to have coffee, something, water, yeah, exactly. not even exactly. a water fountain. Dating has not been all you had wished it could be. Well, at my age, what I'm looking for in a man is maybe a pulse. <laughs> I had an 87-year-old come to my house, and I did learn you never get picked up on a date. You never get picked oh, up on a date oh, this because a this guy ran through a stop sign. He didn't even he couldn't even see over the wheel. Finally, he said to me, "How's it going?" I said, "Not well. It's not going well at all." You're too old for me. He said, really? I said, yes. And I made him say his age. And he said, I guess you should be dating my son. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So that sort of gives you an idea of how the dating world has been for you. Are you yeah. completely turned off now? Or what is yeah. your thinking? 
Yes, but I always, there's always the hope, and, and I circle yeah. by Victoria's Secret looking at new bras <laughs> in anticipation. Yeah, but it's not number one on your list. But I'll tell you what's helped me. Yes, okay. that's what okay. I want to talk to you about. Well, first of all, I love that you have such great recipes in the book because the joke's over. You can come back now. Of course, has to include some of Lori's favorite recipes because cooking is, we both agree, cooking's therapeutic. It is, and it it's what got me back because people stopped asking me for dinner. So what I ended up doing was asking them to come over and then they would take me out to dinner in reciprocity but i found that sitting at home and thinking of recipes and cooking was my way to feeling better about myself so i entertain quite a bit now yes you do and it it helps me i even do lunches i just I like my, I moved to a condo. I like it here. Let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about four months after Peter had died and Lori said, I'm going to move. So (laughs) one of her uh, dear friends from many, many years ago as a realtor and me and Lori get in the car to go look at condos. Here's what you probably shouldn't do in your shouldn'ts. Go look for a condo four months after your spouse has. Here's the thing. Do not make a major decision decision for a year. Yeah. For a year. That was took me three and a half years to move. Three and a half years. And that's fine. You know, everybody's got their own clock and everybody's going to find what's right for them. But being impetuous and thinking that I think part of that Lori might've even been a way to think, mom, I, I can get out of the grief if I do this. Don't you think when you're going through it, you're trying to find ways to get out of it. Oh yeah. You know what okay. I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. By, you know, well, if I get a condo, I'll feel better. Well, they, oh. they really tell you not to make any, don't yeah. move, don't sell anything. Don't, you know, don't do anything major in your life until you've gone through at least a year. Yeah. And uh, for me, it took three plus. The one other piece I'd like to talk about is what to do with your loved one's belongings, because there are oh boy. many That's different tough. thoughts on that. I didn't want to look at his closet with the clothes in it. That was my take. Some people like to keep them. Everybody is different. I I say that grief is like snowflakes. Nobody goes through the same thing. You know, all snowflakes are different and all grief is different. I did have help because a friend of mine does estate sales and she knew of a charity who would come in and box it up and give me a a donation slip. and, Mm -hmm. And that was very kind of her and it was an easy way to do it the other thing to do is whether to wear the wedding ring or not i ended up putting it on a chain around my neck and uh was very happy doing that Um, yeah it's a way to be connected and exactly he the wedding ring sat near my heart so yeah you talk about the grief toolbox what are some of the important parts of the toolbox 
family is great, but friends are what kept me going. Yeah. Um, And I couldn't have done it without my friends. They circled me like a wagon and you were at the head of the wagon. Uh, And and they they were there for me. It was unbelievable. I think it is incredibly helpful. And when you're going through this nightmare, it's okay to reach out to people, you know, because I also think that people don't know what to say. Oh, my God, I don't know what to say. So I'll just I won't call. I won't do anything. I'll send a donation. But I don't want to talk to her because what am I going to say? Yeah. You know, and and you have to take care of yourself. I mean, the first few months I ate popcorn and chocolate ice cream for dinner. You have to eat healthfully and you have to okay but you came around i did i still occasionally have a lot of pop- i like popcorn what I can know. I- what's not to like except if you have diverticulosis i want to talk about grief books in your book i believe don't you give a recommendation for lots of books i do and you know you read grief books and a lot of widows tell me this they read books looking for answers there are no answers, but we all read and try and figure out why this happened to us. And uh, my book offers actually a, a kind of soup to nuts guide on how to get through it. Yeah. Knowing that you're not alone and knowing that there are others who have plowed through this before you is really helpful. And journaling and writing, I recommend if someone has a death to write to that person. And it's a way, even if you're not a writer, just to pour out your feelings. It's kind of like a safe place is how I would imagine to be, Right. you know? Yeah. Um, Then you have to learn how to pick up a check. This is not easy. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta say, as a fifth wheel or a seventh wheel, you- Yeah, no, it gets- Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult, and you have but to you slip also, the waiter, uh, you know. Yeah, but uh, you also you also are very adamant that you want to pay your share. You don't want to feel like you're being taken care of because they feel sorry for you. Exactly. I yeah. want to end with something that we started with, which is talking about humor. And you have a Lori's Funny Plan of Action in your book. But I can share some of the ideas that you had. Sure. I love as many Mel Brooks movies as possible. Oh, my God. love that. Young Frankenstein will get you anytime. And just laughing. And and The Princess Bride. Oh, my God. The Princess Bride is the best. Oh, that. Yeah. I still. Can you believe it? I have got to watch that. Okay. Now, you also recommend listening to Billy Crystal's autobiography, Still Still Fooling Him, Where I'm Going and Where the Hell Are My Keys. You know, the. The thing about grief is that you cannot concentrate and read, but listening is very helpful. So I found I would literally sit on my bed and listen to a book. And then, of course, which we're all doing anyway, you don't have to be in grief for this, but you recommend marathon binge watching stuff, Will and Grace, Friends, The Big Bang, whatever is your cup of tea, so to speak. I like this. Oh, and have you seen, oh, I think you were the one who told me about Call My Agent. It's hysterical. Yes. Oh, my God, Call My Agent. It's all in French. It's on oh, Netflix, okay. everybody. And That's it is riot is all I can and tell. And I also subscribe to something called Acorn TV. 
And Acorn TV, you can get through Amazon. It's like five bucks a month. And it's British and Australian. You do have to put subtitles on it half the time. I have trouble with the accents. But it is wonderful. And they have some of the best series. And I literally would just binge watch and cry and binge watch and cry. But it gets it out of your system. Yeah. Well, I think that having the humor part... And the other thing is coping with loneliness. This is sort of, you know, this is not an easy subject. You know, the truth is everybody's lonely in a certain way. But when you expect somebody to be with you all the time and they are just gone, you know, it's it's this absence. There's a, a difference between solitude, which is something that people crave, solitude to think. And loneliness. Loneliness is not out of choice. Loneliness is, uh, solitude is out of choice. Loneliness is not. And uh, we don't choose to be lonely. And you have to figure out a way to get through it. I think you have lots of tips in the book. Um, Lori, we will be chatting with you another time because there's so much more to talk about. But for now, I think this is a good beginning to taking a look at how to cope with grief. So I want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You'll find all this info on our Facebook page. And if you have any questions, Lori, how do they reach you? Lori at LoriGrad.com and just send me a note. And I would like to end on my brother's line at Peter's Memorial. What do you say about a man who sleeps with your sister? (laughs) That was the opener at the memorial service. As usual, humor, humor, humor. All right, my dear Lori. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Diane. Lovely to talk to you and lovely to share. Bye. Bye.